It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. The largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, well, as Jim Carrey would say, well, all righty then, we are here. Today is Thursday, October 17, 2013, 7.01 p.m. Eastern Time, live here, coming to you from Citrus County, Florida, and I'm Alan Smith, and along with me, of course, is Donna, and we, uh, the lines are filling up with listeners. Appreciate you tuning in. We are having, again, uh, just a trucker talk open forum where you decide where the conversation leads, and it's really quite easy to do in this industry, Donna, because there's always something to talk about, don't you think? Well, constantly, and it seems like it gets to be more and more that way. Um, I'm just having a problem with the chat room. Has everybody else got the chat room open? Because I can't seem to open my window. Yeah, chat room's open. Just kind of maybe refresh it or something. Yeah, I've tried that. I always... But I, it's up. I always have problems with the chat room. Uh, you'll get it there. You know, I was looking at some of the topics, kind of the hot topics still going out, and some of the topics are still kind of the same thing we've been talking about 30 years ago, but we are, there are other things, too. We talked about the recent ride for the Constitution. We've talked about that the last couple of times, uh, some new stuff coming in about uh, sleep apnea. And, uh, of course, the unskilled labor drivers are classified as that. And, uh, you know, they are saying now, truckers, that you, are, you just might benefit from the driver shortage. You might start making a little bit more money. So that's something that we could touch on if you'd like. Uh, FMCSA has published a new 17-part final rule to comply with MAP 21. So there's always something to kind of talk about. But... As we do here on the open forum, we just kind of let you decide which direction we will go. So that is what we will do. Stay with us. We will be right back. Trucker Talk open forum this evening on Truth About Trucking Live. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back.
Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here from Truth About Trucking Live and AskTheTrucker.com. And I want to tell you about TCRG Consulting. TCRG is a division of Transportation Compliance Resource Group. And with over 30 years of compliance and regulatory training and consulting, they are the company that can help you from the very startup of your new trucking commercial business to keeping your company compliant and up-to-date on the ever-changing federal motor carrier regulations. Their goal is to help their clients to comply with the FMCSRs. TCRG Consulting makes your DOT compliance easy and understandable, and they work hard to prevent interruption of your daily operations. So if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. Their services include obtaining DOT numbers, obtaining operating authority, new entrant carrier setup and training, driver qualifications, driver drug and alcohol training, maintenance records, CSA carrier reviews and counseling, data queue filings, plus a whole lot more. Their online special for drivers and owner-operators is offering a yearly consulting service for only $99. So for $99 a year, you have access to online compliance chat, free telephone consultations up to 15 minutes per call, data queue filings, and you'll be able to keep up with the ever-changing regulations with an expert, not the guy or gal in the truck next to you. So for more information, go to their website at tcrgconsulting.com or Email them at regguy at comcast.net. You can get a quote or ask an online question. So remember, if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. TCRG Consulting, information and assistance to help you comply. Check them out, tcrgconsulting.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, you know, Donna, one thing about having a tr- show for truck drivers is a lot of times they're out on the road driving, you know. So we have a 
have a lot of uh, a lot of listeners hanging on and listening, so we welcome you and thank you for that. And we have a few callers, Donna. What do you want to? Uh, you have somewhere you want us to lead, or? Well, I'll tell you, I'd like to lead right in this chat room that I can't get into, and I have a feeling that there's others that can't get into it either. Is Richard in the chat room? Uh huh. Yep, he's in there. Okay. And I see him hanging on here to talk, uh, and everyone else is. Uh, just kind of happy right now just to listen. So how would you want to just go and lead well, I into think, it? I think, um, I think I'd like to start with what's going on after. I mean, everybody's saying that, you know, it was a big disaster. And, of course, there was a lot of people not supporting the Ride for the Constitution slash driver shutdown ride. And, you know, for good reason, you know, it was mostly a political ride that had some really off the wall radical um you know ideas of impeaching presidents and arresting congressmen and just all kinds of crazy stuff that that really took away from the fundamentals that so many people are fighting for and there were drivers that got on that bandwagon probably a little premature and uh, then you know kind of realized later uh oh you know what what am i doing here but anyway, you know, there's always um, a, a silver lining to every cloud. And although I think what they say, maybe 65 people showed up, oh, who knows, 100, I don't know. I heard, I heard, uh, I had guessed, I said I would have been surprised at 50. I, I heard numbers between 35 and 65. Okay. So... You know, obviously, doesn't mean it failed. I mean, they got they got a lot of attention, a lot of media attention directed at the Constitution. So, you know, I don't know if you could call it a failure. Right, and uh, I think what what's come of it now. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh no! He's just laughing. No, at I can me. just see you rolling your eyes at me, and just saying, <laughs> you know, shut up. I want to talk. So. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, but I think what happened was it, it opened people's eyes, you know, drivers in particular, that they can get the attention if if they really if they really want it. They can um, open their mouth and have a voice and have people listen. And um, I know um, Rich Wilson, you know, had a, had a big thing to say in one of uh, Todd Dill's articles on Overdrive, and of course he mentioned it in our show last week also that if people would just get more involved and just as excited, uh, you know, working on the MIXAC meetings of public public hearings um, for the FMCSA, uh, writing to him his questions, which he's going to give that information. I'm not in the chat room, Rich, so I can't see what's going on in there. But, you know, you could put down an email or something that people can write all that. Um Anyway, so I think every every cloud has a silver lining, and I think if we keep the momentum going, how people are, how drivers are kind of excited that hey, you know, we did get some attention, and people were writing in, you know, U.S. News, and um, I can't remember all the papers they were, but it was yeah. pretty pretty national. So Huffington Post, Fox News. Yeah, I lot. mean, we saw JB on Fox News, um, so. You know, it did get the attention, so why not now take take that momentum and put it in a positive light, not join yourself with 
other people but have your own voice. So anyway, I think I think I'd like to go with that and see what other people have to say about that. All right. Well, right now they are just listening, and you know I think maybe well okay. There's a few popping into the um, to the chat now. You know the uh, they could be driving tonight. You know you just never know. We get a lot of listens from the archives, but uh, we'll just play it by ear. We're just now getting started, and uh, I tell you, I think Richard's on the line. Let me. Um, you raising your hand, Rich? Uh, yeah, uh, area code Delaware three hundred two. Rich, is that you? Yes, it is. <laughs> How is it going this evening? It's going really good. It's going really, really good. Um, you know, we, uh, <clears throat> as Donna was saying, you know, we were talking earlier in one of the rooms, and you know, this what this has done is, you know, basically consider what they did in Washington last week is Plan A. Um, it did stir up a little bit of controversy. Uh, it did make a little bit of national news in the beginning. Uh, a few people got on, got their points out there. Some were more towards trucking. Some were more towards radical political uh, use of the trucks to get their point across. But I think what it did was uh, there may be, a, like Donna said, a silver lining out of this. It may make an enlightenment that there is problems in our industry and lead us into what I'd like, like I said earlier today, Donna, you know, plan B to take um, our concerns and our cause to the people that need to hear it and not trying to sway the general public or tie it in with uh, specific political uh, agendas, that, you know, that are that are based on, you know, party affiliation or whatever, but it needs to go to the people that need to hear it and one of the things that you know I'm pushing for is to use this as a stepping stone now that there's an awareness that there is some problems and the general public has been made aware of it and take it to the Mix Act committee you know the Mix Act committee is the one that makes the regulations they're the ones that you know hash it out they're made up of uh you know safety advocates they're made up of um you know corporate uh, leaders within the major trucking companies, uh, really heavy in law enforcement. I mean, look at CSA, which came out of MixAC, and uh, we have to admit that's all one-sided for enforcement, you know, and, and holding drivers accountable, companies accountable, and nobody's holding the cops accountable. So we see how that turned out. Of course, I preached that choir years ago, but <clears throat> what we need to do at this point is, uh, and, and, and something was brought up to me today, during a conversation after I posted some of those things, we don't want to make December 9th Mix Act meeting an event. It's not an event. It's not some cookie-cutter um, ride on to Washington. It is where, by professional people, information is shared amongst the people that do the regulations. Everybody says the suits in Washington are making the regulations and nobody's listening. Well, instead of 30, 40, 150, however many, I'm not going to get into that. <coughs> Excuse me. But I have D.C. and I said, listen, what if I brought 30 people to Washington to state their uh, problems, um, their issues, 
with data, cost effectiveness, how it's cost them, uh, what are the particular things that uh, needs to be discussed that is currently in the regulations, is in the future of the regulations, that maybe need the current regulations need to be revisited. And they said they are waiting to get the data because they're not getting it. It's the same 20 or 30 people that is in the audience every meeting. It's the same bunch that all goes to lunch together, and they go across the street, they all have their lunch, and they all come back, and then they sit down. And I have to sit there by myself, and Todd Dills has sat there with me, and, and, and Alan and Donna, you know this, and listen to what's being debated, and I'm like one voice with four minutes. Well, believe me, anybody knows me, four minutes is not enough time for me to tell you what i got to tell you. <laughs> and I need to have, and I have already gotten permission that if people send me a letter with their name and their address, they have to be legitimate, and I'm not talking CB handles, I mean their real name, where they're from, I can submit that and, 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 and present that on their behalf. And they would love, would love to get feedback. We're not getting it. And so the people that need to hear it isn't, you know, a bunch of people on the weekend having the DC 500 running around the Beltway and including truckers that are going home or that are shut down for the weekend with nothing to do going, oh, yeah, we'll go with you. What they need is we need facts, we need information, we need people that have legitimate. I mean, if you don't like something, why don't you like it? Don't just say, I don't like it because it's good conversation over a cup of coffee and a, and a bagel. Tell us why you don't like it. Give me that information. Bring that information to Washington. Sit down in front of the ones that are actually making the regulation, the so-called suits that everybody talks about. And we are a minority that has a majority that can speak for us. We just don't do it. We'd rather sit around and complain and then find ourselves following false idols for false reasons to represent what we want to represent, which is the truth, the facts that need to be told to the people. Let's stop all this cookie-cutter, pony-dog show, and let's go to the heart of where it needs to be done with the numbers we need to do it, and there we can make a change. Yeah, and, you know, that's a good thing. I'm glad you brought it up because Don and I was talking about that before the show about these, these MSAC meetings, and you know a lot, you know there are drivers out there. I, we understand, you know, that just can't make it. They don't have a load going there. You know, they're in Utah. I mean, wherever they are, they just they just can't physically make it. But the way they can make it is uh, just as you brought up, Richard. I'm glad you did. That uh, you know we've talked about this plenty of times before too. But it's so important for those that just can't physically make it there. They can still make it there just by what what you just said, you know, send send the, the their information to you, and you'll make sure that it gets heard. Absolutely, and if and the thing about it is, they have to by law, and and I actually went through this with legal counsel at FMCSA because at first they were like, okay, they don't want a bunch of people. I mean, you know, one person could sit there if you get somebody, you know, that that is very affluent on the computer, could type up, you know, 400 letters and put somebody's name on it. That's not what they're saying. Legitimate. Somebody sends me an email. I can copy the email. 
and I can present it to them and say, this is an email I got from Alan Smith, or this is a TJ uh, Graff is in the room. This is an email I got from TJ Graff. This is the email. I'm going to read it verbatim of what was written to me. I might make a few adjustments in some of the colloquialisms, you know, to make it fitting for for the meeting, but you know what I'm saying. But the thing about it is they want intelligent input. They don't want radical, we're going to shut the country down. You know, we all, and and I said this last week, and and Alan, you said it, and and Donna, and, and everybody, you know, this isn't what is going to be the thing that's going to get action taken to make our jobs. I mean, we have issues that weren't even brought up. Key issue. Drivers that, being that reclassified. Yeah, yeah, that shutdown was, wasn't for trucking. No, no. It was, I mean, don't get me wrong. And, and I'm going to – wait a minute. Let me say this disclaimer right in the beginning. I'm not against anything that happened this weekend. All I did was speak the truth. What my opinion was, my opinion was that, number one, they weren't going to get the numbers, the so-called numbers they were supposed to be getting. And I said that, Alan. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, I, said, I said I'm not against it. I am against the individuals that I feel that that – used the truckers for a political gain and convinced a lot of people that they were doing patriotic items. Now, let me tell you something. Anybody has the right in this country to protest in any means they, they believe in. And believe me, there's no more rebel than I am. If you don't think so, look at some of my email addresses. But what I'm saying is there's a time and a place for everything. There is a time and a place to be politically active, and if you have dissension within the Congress, the Senate, the President, that's fine. I'll back you 100%. But don't use the excuse of the problems with our industry to, um, uh, to go out and, and recruit numbers for your goals. And, I mean, I've heard stories about money that was ripped off, uh, I'm not going to verify any of those. You know, I don't believe anything I see on Facebook. I don't have the hard numbers, so I'm not even going to get into that conversation. What I'm speaking of here today is the real issues we have in trucking. Who mentioned anything about insurance costs going to $4,462,000? As an owner-operator, as independents, I would be more worried about the $20,000 increase in cost expenses than a $4 million policy over a $750,000 requirement is going to – that, to me, is more important. I'll give up a 30-minute break. Don't cost me twenty thousand additional dollars. I can't. I can't recover in revenue. Okay. Um, right. You know, there's issues like that. I mean, truck drivers being, you know, labor or being, you know, recognized as skilled labor. Come on, that's a major issue. Unskilled. They, unskilled. Unskilled. I'm saying, having them rated as skilled from a oh, okay. skilled. Okay. That is going to be how you're going to get the wages. It's not going to be telling J.B. Hunt, Snyder, Swift. CRST, we want more money. No, those guys aren't going to do it. Those gals aren't going to do it. The owner-operators, they get paid what they get paid off the percentage of what they make. So this country has to uh, recognize truck drivers at least as skilled labor as much as a migrant worker or somebody that works at, at Walmart or at Target. So until we get that, these are important issues that need to be addressed. You know, waiting time payments, 
you know, shippers and receivers being held accountable for what they're doing. You know, we're currently in the process of doing some investigation under some current labor laws and already current laws that are in place that has to do with detention that, that hasn't been enforced in 100 years. FMCSA told us in a meeting there is no, we have no uh, authority over it. No, but the Labor Board does. The, yeah. there's, there, there's industries within our, or there's agencies within our government that do have, um, you know, jurisdiction over this. So maybe we need to awaken some sleeping giants that are already there that have been shoved under the table and under the rug because the National Association of Manufacturers do not want us to know they're there. So, you know, well, I mean, this unskilled labor thing now—I uh, mean, not unskilled—the the detention time. Um, I know there's something, Alan. You wrote an article two days ago about that, and it was. Um, I did. Yeah, yeah. The, the the detention pay. Oh, the detention pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you said something. I I read it quickly, and you said something about maybe you can help me here understand it. Um, there it was a blurb, something written that made it sound like that drivers should get detention pay. It's in the it's in the article. I don't. I mean, I can pull it up over here. Um, I'll read it to you. Hold you're, on. You're talking about the language that's supposed to be in the U.S. <clears throat> the U- United States Code. Yeah. Um. Are, do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's all part of the the HR 756 that went to uh, that went to the House in in uh, 2011. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Furthermore, here, I'm reading it right off of your post. Furthermore, Section 14103 of Title 49 U.S.C. is amended by adding language, prohibits a shipper or receiver from detaining a person that operates a commercial motor vehicle without providing compensation for time detained beyond the maximum number of hours that the secretary determines by regulation. So you're saying that that's not in there. This was part of that bill. Is that what you're saying? That's how I understand it. Richard may know it better, but I couldn't find it. I looked at the I looked at the uh, article in the United States Code, and that language hadn't been put in there yet. I couldn't find it anyway. So is there something, uh, Rich, that you know yeah. of about detention pay? Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know unreasonable. Un, un, uh, the the wording and and I'm going to paraphrase this. Please don't quote me because I'm terrible about regulations because my interps sometimes have a little bit of a redneck tinge to them. Um, mm-hmm. It's more based on you know um, unnecessary uh, detention um, and um, you know unlawful detention or holding up a vehicle in interstate commerce. Uh, mm-hmm. that you're supposed to be given like two hours and, and so forth and so on. In fact, after I read Alan's article, I actually had it up, and I'd have to go through some long, extensive search trying to find it, because when you start getting into USC code, my God, you think 49 CFR is big. You know, it's more Oh, book. really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, so, so, but yes, I did actually find it, and I apologize, and I will find it, and I will email it to you, Alan, so you have it in front of you, and maybe some other show, we can go into it a little bit more. But see here again, you have these lobby groups, the National Association of Manufacturers, um, you know, the uh, steel industry or whatever, you know, each little niche has its own lobby people, and 
these lobbyists are really good at taking what is current laws and getting them, you know, kind of shuffled under the table and, and makes it hard for people like you and I to get those, that information to put it out there. They don't want people to know about that because it's going to cost them money. So, you know, here we go again. But that's what and I mean, and that's why I was asking Alan, when you, when you put that in your post, um, you know, where, where did you get it? So, I mean, if it's not in the, the Fazio uh, uh, bill that never, I mean, hasn't gone anywhere, then, then it was in that other piece. Um, well, I mean, it's, you can find that same thing across the Internet. I mean, everybody's just kind of saying the same thing. But I actually went to the code and, and the, uh, the bill and, and just kind of went through the whole thing the best I could. And but that's what I it, mean. It it's says, now. It said that that code was supposed to be amended with that language. Well, I went to the, uh, the code, and I read the entire code, and that language wasn't in there. So, uh, so what I think has happened is it's gone. Everything, uh, just as Richard said in the last show, it's just kind of been shelved. Oh, you know? my God. So they actually yeah. took it out. Well, it was supposed really to be amended. Now. It was supposed to be added. Okay. But yeah. I'm yeah. saying yeah. that what I found, I I didn't see it in there. Okay. I'm not saying I, it's not in there. I couldn't find it. Okay. Okay. I, now I, found, I get it. I now I get actual, it. Yeah, I found the actual amendment that was supposed to be. That's what I'm saying. I found the wording that was supposed to be attached to it. Right. But it hadn't been ruled on yet or hadn't been submitted to either House or Senate. Okay, that's what I'm saying. It's still kind of sitting yeah. dead on the shelves in the Senate. Okay, right. so if that was amended, here's my question, because it's making more sense to me now. It's not amended. If it were to be amended, in yeah. other words, take it off the shelf with the House and the Senate. And add that language and to it. And add that language, then we wouldn't need H.R., what is it? 756. 756 that uh, Congressman DeFazio put up for mandatory detention pay. Am I correct in saying that? Well, inside 756, it yeah. also is calling for a study to be done uh, on detention pay and how drivers are affected by detention time. That study hasn't been done because it's sitting on the shelf. And it's unfunded. Am I Okay. Okay, but yeah. but if they amended that other thing, then you wouldn't need the bill. I see that's where I'm confused. Well, the bill is still calling for a study to be done on, oh, on okay. how drivers okay. are are truly affected by uh, detention time. Okay. I mean, in other words, all this in legislation, words, Richard, you know. Yeah. In other words, Donna, to put it simply, it's just like when Ann Farrow went in front of the uh, Transportation Infrastructure Committee, and she was told, you know, she was ordered by the committee that she must come up with the data by October 1st that granted them, you know, the reason for them to change the hours of service to show that the other one wasn't working. And, you know, because of the shutdown and everything else, of course, she got a reprieve on that. But the problem of it is, uh, she has no intention to provide the, the data. And see, what we need to do as truckers instead of, and, and like, again, I'm not, I, I don't even want to uh, assim assimilate this with any, you know, Patriot action that was done by anybody, what they felt for free. But what I'm saying is, as far as the spin goes in Washington, that's the type of stuff we need to contact our senators and our congressmen and say, listen, you know, the administrator of the Federal Motor Carrier was ordered by Congress to provide this information. And, you know, even when the lower courts ruled on it, they said, okay, it's been a great fight, but uh, FM FMCSA outlasted you all. I mean, there was no reasoning behind the ruling other than the fact that they outlasted it. So it was, they put up a better fight. 
which kind of told me, like, wait, we weren't going to win this thing anyway, no matter what we did. But when we said, let's see the data and let's see these studies that you have mentioned, you know, University of Michigan, Virginia Tech, um, you know, Alan, you and I know there's tons of these colleges that did these, these surveys and did all this information as data gathering, but nothing's been published. But this was the basis that the advocates used, and I'm going to say the advocates in this case because they were the ones that really fought to have the 2008 rules changed. The thing about it was 2007 was an increase in accidents and fatalities and heavy truck crashes. 2008, it went down. It went down in 2009. The minute they changed the rules and they made things different, you'll notice there was a steady increase in heavy commercial vehicle accidents, which tells me if they'd have left the rule the way it was, it was working. Why fix what isn't broke? And which rule was that? The 34-hour restart. The 11. Okay. The 10-hour, re- you know what I'm saying? The rules yeah, are working. Yeah. Why mess with them? They didn't need, I mean, you know, the 30-minute break, you know, you could sit there and, and, and argue that all day long. Listen, I'm sorry. You know, I, I used to run straight from Florida to New York. I know what it's like. Somewhere along the line, I got out of the truck and I walked. I went to the bathroom. I went and got a cup of coffee. I fueled the truck or something. I took a 30-minute right. break. I didn't drive straight through. You can take a 30-minute break. It ain't going to kill you. The 168 between the 34 hours, that's ridiculous. If you take 34 hours during the week, what the hell is the difference whether you have 168 hours between it? You still got two days off. You're you're ready to go again, okay? I mean, they're not going to regulate what the guy or gal's doing on the weekend when they take off, you know? So who cares? They may get home and have to drive to their mother's-in-law in Cincinnati all weekend. Yeah. So... You know, so what I'm saying is, it's, it's, you know, you're not going to regulate the lifestyle of an individual, but no other industry in this country. You know, my wife's a nurse. You guys know that. Hell, she can be called in to work 48 straight hours. With, there's no uh, regulation, and she has people's lives in her hands. But yet, you know, people in Washington, safety advocates, law enforcement, well, law enforcement is doing it because they're going to generate revenue, but the safety advocates, they don't understand it because there's nobody telling them the truth. It's a bunch of people on a committee at a roundtable that are throwing their opinions out to the only ears that are hearing it or the other ears that agree with them. We're not getting spoken for by the drivers because nobody will take 10 minutes. They'll type for 12 hours on Facebook, but they won't take 10 minutes to write a five par- for three or four paragraph statement on how it financially affect them and what the downside and the plus sizes. So I can go in front of these people that hear these things and read their points. Well, let me ask you a question. On December 9th, now, I mean, do they just let you randomly at this particular meeting, or do you have to to stick to a guideline of topics? No, you get at the end of every meeting, okay? If you go on and look at the agenda, you can go right on the, the Mixac site. In fact, I'll put, I'll put the Mixac site up here in a minute. Um, you can go on the site and look at the agenda of the other meeting. If you look at the agenda, it always starts at about 3.15 to 4 o'clock. It says... Um, um, the public has a chance to speak. 
Okay? Mm -hmm. Do you have to speak about the topics that were discussed that day? No. You have a chance to verbally state your comment in front of the full committee while they're assembled. Okay, okay so on, on, on anything? On anything? On anything. Okay, then if I remember correctly, um, Alan, didn't you post right on the site? Or, was or Rich, was that something else where they actually allowed you to comment live and then they'd say, oh, Alan Smith has a question about, and then they read it. Is this the same meeting? Because, you know, you get confused. There's so many things going on over there. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. You're getting the listening sessions confused with okay. the mix act meeting. Yeah, the okay. listening sessions was a live broadcast. This is not a live broadcast. This is a clo this is a open door let me say this, an open door closed meeting. It's kind of an yeah. oxymoron, but anybody can attend. It's open to the public. But it's not a it's not put over the web. It's not, you know, you they meet in there. Um, you can't speak. You can't comment during the meeting. You sit there and you take notes for they discuss whatever they want to discuss. And then at about 345 to 4 o'clock, they'll say, okay, we're opening the mic for general comments. They don't say it has to be specifically what – because they may be talking about medical review board. could be talking about BMI, Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, last last meeting we went to over there, they were talking about hours of service for passenger carriers, and then they went to the MRB meeting about uh, information that came in on the front for the uh, certification of medical examiners and stuff like that. Then they had um, a subcommittee meeting. There, there are subcommittee meetings also amongst the committee where they have a, a um, subcommittee for like CSA where they look at CSA. So you have to pick and choose your battles. What is going to be your uh, best um, uh, group that you're going to get your point across? You know, you may you may want to say what you have to say. It may suit better in the CSA subcommittee uh, that pertains to regulations and accountability. Um, if you have something to say about uh, medical review board uh, or how stupid it is that somebody with a size 17 neck can be disqualified or have to spend five or six hundred dollars out of their own pocket to get a sleep apnea test or a sleep study, you know, you might want to use that. So depending on what the agenda is for that meeting, what you do is you just kind of shuffle your your cards around and and use the forum that they're presenting to present what is most cohesive for you to present. Okay. Well, what what's the main agenda for the uh, the meeting on the night? Um, got it right here. Hang right on a second. Um, I hadn't had a chance to look, but you know, people can go to the MSAC meeting website. You can go to askthetrucker.com, and up near the top of the page on the right, just click on the FMCSA logo, and that'll take you to the MSAC meeting site. All right. But right I hadn't now had they don't. Yeah, they don't have the agenda. They just have the scheduled meeting. They haven't published the agenda oh. for it. Oh, no wonder you didn't, couldn't say it. Okay, so yeah. it's still a little bit far away and everything. You know, a lot of uh, Donna and I have gotten to know, you know, you know, several people there at the FMCSA. You know, they all seem, you know, you know, pretty decent, pretty, you know, really interested in, you know, what drivers have to say and everything. You know, but I hear from other drivers like, well, you know, they'll, yeah, they'll they'll listen to you, but then, you know, after it's all said and done, they're just going to follow their agenda anyway, whether it be for the sleep apnea or, or, or whatever the case. But 
I mean, right. You've been you've been doing this a long time, and and you're uh, you're right there in the middle with them. But you're saying that that they uh, they they do they want to hear what you're saying, and they do take those things into consideration. Yes, in fact, they, they, there was uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was at a meeting and there was an owner-operator. The guy was from um, somewhere down in Missouri that he drove up there. Very nice fellow. He came in, and uh, when, when it and I'm looking at the agenda right here, and it says 4 to 4.30 p.m., public comment period. Shall, should all comments be exhausted before the end of the comment period, it will close. Uh, well, when you only have one or two people, that means you've got four minutes so they started at four. At four oh eight, we were done. That's ridiculous. Wow, you another, really? You got another twenty-two minutes to speak, you know. So, but this gentleman that came up there from Missouri, uh, he was very articulate. He he had it broke down on what the the cost was to him, how much increased cost he had had over the last five years, what his percentage with it with the increases of uh, um, you know like blue juice and everything else and that the regulations were just hindering him from making money. He was very articulate. Shannon came over. Larry Miner came over to him, and they opened up a dialogue. We want you to continue to talk to us. Hell, I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Here I sat there and watched an owner-operator talk to Larry Miner, and, and if anybody knows who Larry Miner is, you know, Larry Miner is the designated federal officer and the deputy administrator of the FMCSA. Right. He's the one that actually attended the uh, Deaf Truckers United hearing. Right. So, I mean, I, I know Larry personally. I, I have, I'm in contact with Larry, and I can tell you one thing. Larry told me himself, he says, you know, I, our committee wants to hear from more people because, let me tell you something, those people in Washington know that those people that sit around that table are chosen not because they speak on behalf of the industry, but because they know somebody. Right, right. You know, I've applied for it four times. And every time, last time I actually got a physical letter and a phone call that said you didn't make it this time, but keep trying because, you know, uh, the people are moving in there. Like I said, they're the industry, they're the top people of the industry, the Snyders, the J.B. Hunts, the Teamsters, uh, ATA. I mean, these are the people that are there. And well, yeah, but Rich, when you when you didn't make it, I remember um, being upset over over who did make it, and um, I mean, I can't remember specifics, but Danny? it was uh, it was Dan England. Danny, okay, and there was a couple of lobby groups, right? Yeah, it was like okay, and you know, you have to wonder, you know, what, what do they bait? What's their criteria, really? I mean. Uh, I, I get frustrated, and um, when I saw that, I was I was very frustrated. <laughs> it's one thing if you lose; it's another thing if you lose to somebody who isn't as good. <laughs> well, the, the thing about it is, you got to remember, I've only been involved in this for ten years, and 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 you know, I came out of the industry direct and went into this stuff, and was involved in it. I've been involved in it ten years. Most of these people that you're dealing with have been you know, involved and go to the meetings and know people and, you know, you, you rub elbows with people, you, 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 you know, you do your um, networking and everything. And these people have been around for 10, 15, 20 years. And I'm just starting to move into that 
recognizable category now. I mean, I go out and have we have little sub-meetings out in the hall, or when you take a break, we get together. Todd Spencer has probably been one of my greatest uh, mentors on that meeting because I spend a lot of time with Todd, and Todd will take me because, you know, he's pretty big with everybody. I mean, I had lunch one day with the director of truck enforcement, uh, the lady from California. It was a very interesting lunch. And, you know, she said, uh, I noticed you've been here quite a bit. What's your name? I got to introduce myself. Gave her a little quick bio. We got talking about things. You know, she tells me, she says, so what do you think about truck enforcement in California? I said, do you want me to spoil your lunch? (laughs) Yeah, really. she, She kind of chuckled, and she said, yes, I do. And I said, you have one of the worst. I said, next to you and Bill Doffelmeyer from the state of Maryland, you got one of the worst reputations out there. Well, mm-hmm. I don't want my I don't want my enforcement people. I said, fine. You want me to open up a dialogue with you? I've got her email address. I've been asking how long, Alan, for somebody to tell me about an incident they have. Has one person responded? No. So what did that make me look like? A fool? Because how many times have people said? They've had problems in California. I'm not going to take it off of a Facebook page, an incident. Right. I need communication. I need facts. Tell me what happened. When did it happen to you? I have an open dialogue with the director of truck enforcement with the state of California. How many other people have that? You know, Bill Doffelmeyer, state of Maryland. I finally opened up a dialogue. It's not getting anywhere because he's making too much money, and you know, for his department. So, you know, I mean, what is what is in that case? But... What I'm saying is, my 10 years, I have really diversified and, 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 and met a lot of people, and, and through Todd Spencer's tutorship, has worked into finding out the workings of it and how this actually does and, and how to make the drivers in our industry and the owner-operators and the small carriers. I'm talking small carriers, too. You know, I mean, the big carriers, they got their representatives. They're there. But what I'm saying is they say they don't have, you know, oh, Ida's there. One one guy, one guy that I know of that has like 150 trucks. Everybody else is either major industry representatives, uh, associations such as union, um, bus people. Um, you know, that's the kind of people. But it's heavy laden with advocacy groups and law enforcement. Well, so people, let's let's see how can we how can we actually plan to get people there either by sending in comments to you or to get them physically there. Now, A, the parking is horrendous over there for trucks. Uh somebody had an idea on Facebook I saw to park their truck somewhere and and then, you know, take some kind of public transportation or something over there. Um, the train, I don't know. Is the that, train, yeah, the, is that train, feasible? Yeah, the train stops right there by the hotel. There's a station okay. right there at the hotel. They can park. So where would they park? In the, um, um, the, 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 the rail line outside the belt right way, like off of Route 50 and uh, 95 and 495, somewhere around out that way, and uh, by one of the uh, the train stations. You know, park in that area and take the train right into uh, Old Town Alexandria. Uh, right off, of, they take the King Street. Um, um, ex, or, you know, you know the I, 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 I got to be honest. I just don't see drivers doing that. I mean, uh, 
I mean, if they did, you know, yeah, that's great. But, you know, I mean, like you've said, Richard, how many drivers have you seen at a meeting? I mean, I, I think the really good uh, answer to all this is uh, going through you with their with their emails or comments or suggestions because, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, man, you know, get a big rig there in the D.C. outside the Beltway, get a, catch a train, get to the MSAC meeting. I mean, I'm sure there are some that will, but, you know, just realistically, boy, I, I can't see it happening that much. Well, I think well, the we, ones that, that wanted this, uh, the 35 trucks that showed up in D.C., um, I think this would be a lot less stressful for them and a lot more meaningful. Oh, it would be the best way. I mean, trying to fight that rig in there, yeah, hop on a train. But, I mean, is the parking uh, at the train station, I mean, is that sufficient? I mean, if 500 rigs showed up, would, would it, well, could oh, it hold no. 500? No, huh? no, 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 no. I'm not even expecting. I mean, see, there we go. I, I don't expect 500. I don't, ex- you know, I don't want this to turn in into some dog and pony show event. I want people that are really serious, that they want to go in right. front of the meeting. They want to see people. That's an option. Option number two, like 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 Alan said, is send me an email. Right. That easy. Send me an email. I put I put my email address. I put my site into the into the chat room. You can go there and look at it. I'm going to put the mix act because uh, I got it up. I'm going to copy and paste it and throw it in there in a minute. But what I'm saying is, you know, I I can be 50 voices. You don't have to right. stop yeah. and get on the train. But don't. What I'm asking, please, don't send some kind of buttered biscuit i hate america email i will not do it i'm sorry it will have to be intelligent data how it affects you what the regulations if you have a problem with the regulation you have a reason for that problem i want the reason i don't want you know the regulations suck we all know they suck i mean i mean that's a general well 50 people riding around Washington can put a banner on their truck that says regulations suck. That doesn't mean anything to anybody. What I need is 50 drivers to give me hard, cold information on how the regulations have financially, mentally, however, have affected them. And I can go, you know, and read those to the people that need to hear it. And we don't need to worry about the train. But... How many times have I said this, Alan and Donna? How many meetings have I gone to where we made this announcement? And I have yet to get one email. So, you know, I look at it this way. I look at the people that want to talk the talk but are not willing to walk the walk. This isn't an event. This isn't a – I I don't even want the word event. I don't even want a gathering. I don't want anything like that. This is professionalism at its finest ability to present the, the, the worries and, and, the con, and the concerns of our industry to the people that are regulating the industry. People, this is the way for you to put your suit and tie on and become one of the suits that does know how to drive a truck. Right. Yeah, we had a good show a while back with you. I remember that it, you were even detailed, you know, how to make comments, you know, and I mean, you just don't want to say, well, I, I you know, the 30-minute break, I don't like it because I, I just don't like it, you know. So we had a really good show on that, but I see, I see things on Facebook pages and everywhere else on the net where, you know, you know, there, it is just a lot of talk, but 
it's it gets kind of aggravating, you know. I see so many of them out there saying, you know, well, we just, you know, we need to just, you know, work together and and quit all this bickering and and work together and get things done. And then then they they turn around and tear everybody up at the same. So they're kind of talking uh, both sides of the mouth. So that I don't really know what to do with all that. But I mean, that's just uh, it's always been that way. Yeah, you know, and you and I both have said this how many times in conversations, you know. You get one driver, you tell him the sky is blue, and you'll have another driver that, that'll argue with him until the cows come home that it's green. You know, or somebody will get on somebody because they said, well, the sky is blue. And the guy says, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a moron. Then somebody comes on and start, And the next thing you know, the entire conversation, you're having a very intelligent conversation. And before it's over, you end up talking about some guy's wife is not you know, has any virtue. I mean, it's like, it well, goes in so many so, different so, directions. How many times I've seen uh, a great conversation roll, and then one person will come in with, like, total um, uh, negativity or, you know, insulting somebody, and all of a sudden it stops. Absolutely. All of the, everybody just says, you know, they just don't want to do it anymore because it put a damper on the the conversation, the debate, or whatever, and uh, I I think that's so that. detrimental to uh, progress on these because some of these threads are really good when they get going. You know, people really start relaxing and and saying their mind and. But and, then and then at the same time, the same person that comes in there to, that uh, that disrupts everything will turn around. You know, on another page, and say, "Hey, we all need to work together." So, so yeah, it's it really aggravating. It is aggravating. Yeah. I know. I get. I get frustrated. But anyway, I mean, um, good. Yeah, I've, I've I've seen threads go from talking about true factual issues, you know, of the trucking industry, and turn right around, and and within, you know, ten to fifteen commenters turn into a public, uh, you know, a political bashing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. isn't that what the whole thing about the ring around Washington was about? You know, it turned yeah. out from starting his trucking issues and before it was over, it was teabaggers versus libertarians. You know, and yeah. I'm like, what's that got to do with the 34-hour restart? Nothing. You know? Absolutely nothing. And I well, hope... it's like you said, Donna, the whole thing never was about trucking anyway. Well, no, it was just – and that was um... – I remember you post, I don't know where post, you know, I get confused with all the pages and groups and this and that, but I remember you had posted somewhere that early on, when this thing first er erupted, that um, they're just using truckers for a political agenda. And that was like, and, and it's the truth, it was, and and before you know it, you know, people start doing their homework and say, oh, well, we've got to throw some trucking in on here. or, you know. But any time you don't have a clear message for something and you just have a stew, you know, kind of like a hodgepodge of all kinds of stuff, you, you lose people, number one. And number two, the media will catch hold of the most radical part of that and then all of a sudden, that's what that ride was about. And this is what happened. It, it, it lost all the trucking meaning at all, and it, it just hung on to the most radical part. So in a way, it's a blessing in disguise that a lot of drivers weren't there because I think it would have put a black eye uh, on the whole thing. 
that's my opinion anyway. Um, well, it's also like Richard, like you said. I mean, that's about, um, yeah, you can you can be you can be visible through the media and you might get some attention that way, but that's not really the way to get things done. The way to get things done is like you're saying, let your voice be heard at these meetings and, and so forth. And that's, that's pretty much it. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not in the chat room. I think there's a few other people who couldn't get in also. So it's not just me. Um, yeah, I think there's quite a few and, uh, and I got, uh, most of our lines are filled up, but they are all listening, and that's that's well and fine too. So just Donna and I and Richard, we'll just keep going. But we appreciate you listening. If you want to join the conversation, three four seven eight two six nine one seven zero. And click the one, and that will raise your hand. So I don't know if a lot of people know that that's how you can um, yeah, get think, in. On the I think it tells you on there. Oh, but okay. uh, yeah, a little uh, a little blue hand or a little blue mark pops up and that's how i know but but uh but anyway uh i guess that the the ride is over and uh but there's still so many so many things going on out there i know the sleep apnea is a new thing and a new rule in the the map 21 richard where they're going to uh increase the fines i mean there's always something going on in this industry and you know i we i i, I don't like to always talk about the negatives you know there's positives too somewhere in there but it just seems like uh the negatives outweigh the positives most of the time well i think uh, one positive and is that sleep apnea that it no longer is um what do they call it a guideline it's now has to be a rulemaking process yeah so, so that you know that will help i i mean i think it'll help uh, but what do you think uh richard i think I, I can't imagine it not where people are kind of like in limbo wondering like you have a medical examiner and he's just scared to death to let a guy go without a test because, you know. Well, I mean, there's a there's a red line between a, a, a guideline and a policy, a, you know, a rule. So I think doctors are going to like that, Richard. Well, yeah, and the thing about it is what you're going to see, you're going to see a big change, and and I'm glad you brought that. It's a very good point. There's going to be a big change in the way physicals are going to be done, the way things are going to be handled uh, with the uh, medical examiner certification. Um, I know myself, I have have two or three clients that are actually uh, medical examiners, and you know, they're reaching out to people like me now even to get interpretations of regulations because their side of it is very confusing as well. And uh, that's a different, whole different you know, ball game. But the fact that now they have to go through a certification process, they have to go through actually, uh, there, there are several levels of the testing to get their certification um, to do physicals. The fact that you're not going to be able to go to your family physician, Dr. Hobo, that you've been going to for 30 years and, and, and you know, getting the so-called cross-the-dinner-table uh, uh, physical like, you know, a lot of people have for years. Um, and the standards uh, are going to be of such to where the medical examiner to maintain its certification has to meet certain standards and can be held accountable for it. So by saying that, um, I think what the Fed has recognized uh, honestly is the fact that there's going to be a self-policing force there that's going to cause these people to do better actual physicals. I think as a benefit to the drivers, I think they'll actually get better physicals, um, which everybody knows a physical can be one of two things. It can be a rural pain in the cojutas, or it can be uh, something that actually 
diagnose a problem you didn't know you had, um, you know, that you can catch early with treatment and, and maybe be, you know, treated in such a way that it doesn't interrupt your life. Yeah, there's always the chance that you may be diagnosed with something that could end your career, unfortunately, but, you know, hey, if you're still alive, it's better to be alive in an old trucker than it is to be a dead trucker. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, you know, pros and cons about that. But the thing about it is um, <clears throat> one of the things with the sleep apnea and the BMI thing is, is the fact that just with the very meetings we're talking about, questions were brought up about the statistics that were used and, and, this, and the studies that were used by, for instance, the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, on uh, when they come to find out that uh, they did a random selection of the general population around Altoona, Pennsylvania, they didn't use truck drivers that didn't have sedimentary lives. They used basically overweight, uh, older, middle-aged and middle-aged men from the central Pennsylvania area uh, to do these studies and concluded that that's how a trucker lives. Well, they weren't truckers. They had no truckers volunteered for this study because they were like, uh-uh, we're not going to be a part of this. They'll find out what our life is really like. So, you know, the data that was presented and what the guidelines were based on was false data. So they kind of quietly just went and said, well, maybe we need to go and do more study and revisit this. So instead of making it a guideline, um, you know, or, I mean, making it a, a, a uh, um, you know, it has to be this way, you know, anybody with an X-17 or over uh, absolutely has to have, you know, I mean, there's guys I know. I'm a big guy, Alan, you know me, and I've lost a lot of weight, but my neck is will never be a 17. And mm -hmm. I don't have sleep apnea. So based on that, you know, I mean, I brought my BMI down from 38. I'm down to right now I'm at 27. And I'm six foot four. But the thing about it is my neck will never be because I'm a big guy. So how can they say um, I have to go have a sleep apnea test or a sleep study because my neck is over 17? So yeah. that's, you know, that, that's been qualmed. So there's hey, other Rich, things I, involved with it. Hey, Rich, I got my BMI down to 19. Skinny. Skinny. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Skinny. I'm trying. I'm really trying. But, you know, the thing about it is I, I developed this, and the whole thing was my purpose behind this was because – uh, at the time, I was traveling a lot. I was eating out on the road. I was eating in the same truck stops that truckers were eating in. And the thing is, I found I could take the time and put myself on a diet. I could find the food that I was comfortable with eating, maintain my diet. I lost 67 pounds from January oh my God. And, and until I just recently went and got my follow-up, and I found out I gained four pounds because I cheated with French fries. But the thing about it was my blood pressure is down <laughs> to 120 over 70. I, you know, and, and I take blood pressure wow. medicine. I'm off the blood pressure medicine now. Um, wow. So, well, congratulations. I'm so glad to I'm hear six, all this. And I saw a picture of you. You don't look big at all. I mean, you look big because you're tall. You're what, about 6'4"? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He doesn't look, you don't look big. I mean, but I, I didn't realize you were 6'4", but I mean, you know, you carry it well. You don't, you don't look big to me like that. And, and, but the, the great thing, the great thing about, I'm 60 years old and I did it. So, and I did it yeah. eating the same place truckers do. So, no, put the Twinkies down or, you know, right. the yo-ho-hos. You know, when you're hungry in the morning, don't run in and grab, you know, a, a, a honey bun and a cup of coffee. Do like I do. Grab a cup of coffee, put Splenda in it, and get you a muscle milk. And that'll get you through your breakfast. 
you know, I mean, it's cheaper. It's $3 for the muscle milk, and it's five ninety nine for the uh, breakfast all-you-can-eat buffet. So, right. you know, you right. just so you just change your diet habits. You can do it. You can make yourself healthier. And don't give them a reason to disqualify you and retire you. If you're serious about the job, make the lifestyle changes. Yes, you can go into any, you know, we have Royal Farms up here, Sheetz's, whatever. You can go into any of those places, and if you just take a couple minutes, stay away from the grilled food, stay away from the hamburgers, get a salad. Get a chicken Caesar salad. It'll fill you up just as much. Well, that's so, like Toby Bogard has that uh, that one million pound challenge out on Facebook. A lot of people are signing up, um, getting really huge prizes for the for the winner. It's kind of like similar to the Biggest Loser uh, right. type of event. Too bad, Rich, you didn't you didn't get in on that before you lost your sixty seven pounds. Um, it's like a know, um, I, huh? Yeah, I didn't have to. Get, I didn't have to get in on that. I wanted to live. Well, I no, wanted, I know, I, but I, wanted, some people I, I just, mean, my whole my whole reason was I looked at the films of me at the at, at the conventions, and, and and the tapes of me, and I was just a big fat guy up there on stage, and I went, Ew, I don't like that. And it, well, that, I never and thought that for a minute, but you know, sometimes we're a lot harder on ourselves than other people are. So, but that's a good thing, you know. I mean, it it turned out good to lose sixty seven pounds. That's uh, yeah, that's great. That that really yeah, is and great. I, and I just I feel I feel so much better. I you know I I, I give my I want to give a shout out my dad a lot of credit because when I went to Florida last year to go golfing, um, my father and I were talking and he took me took me out in the garage and put a forty pound bag of salt on my back, and he said come on let's take a walk. So we walked about a block and a half in the in the housing development he lives in. And we got back, and I took the bag of salt off, and he says, come on, let's take a walk And we took another walk. He said, now, if you had to do a third time and make a choice, what you what you want to do? Would you want to walk with a 40-pound bag of salt, or would you want to walk around the block without it? I said, without He said, well, then get rid of the 40-pound bag of salt <laughs> around your yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, truck driver health is definitely, it was a big issue at the convention um, last year, and it's still... You know something, and and you know what? It's kind of sad, Richard, because there's drivers um, that really do want to be healthy, but it's it's difficult for them. And you say, well, why? Why? If I can do it, they can do it. Well, you know what? I think I think some people look at food as comfort, and if you took that away from them, without repl- replacing it, you know, to make them realize, well, this food is also comforting to you but you got to try it for a week because i don't know about you richard but did you go your first week with withdrawals withdrawal from sugar complex carbs i mean i know for me it was difficult for the first week and then now my body actually craves good food healthy vegetables fruit i need a tremendous amount of vegetables and fruit and if i go without it I, I mean, I have to run to the um, produce stand and get it. Uh, but, you see, it, I feel bad for them because, you know, it, it is a comfort to them. I mean, don't you find – I mean, I'm not a driver, but I can I can read how and see when we go out how difficult it was for them. Well, it's also, you know, being a life on the road is something that they look forward to. Right. That's what I mean. But it's, it's just like, it's just a change like you and Richard have done. It's just a change 
you know, they can change if they want to change uh, instead of wanting to get to that truck stop with a chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes and gravy and french fries and everything. Eventually, they'll be wanting to get to that truck stop for a, uh, a grilled chicken salad. Right. I mean, well, it will know, happen because I've seen it happen to Donna. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it, but it, it it's a transition, and your body has to um, go through the, it's a withdrawal, because if you read a lot of things uh, about health and food and what it's uh, made of, there are addictive chemicals added to the processed foods that really make you crave them. And it's really sad, uh, but it's true. I think the biggest thing I found out was was after I went through the initial process, I mean, you know, I had to make a lifestyle change. That was the main thing. That was first get everything out of the house, not have, you know, like, like almost being an addiction. Get everything out. Once I got on the bandwagon and I, and I, I set goals, realistic goals, and once I would reach those goals, I would re- reward myself. And what would I reward myself with? A half a bowl of ice cream. Um, right. you know, or something like that. Um, and the thing is, oh, yeah, like I still, the, the chicken, yeah, the chicken I fried agree. steak, if you went, say you went two or three weeks, you got yourself into ketosis, you started burning your body fat off and you're using it as energy, you started getting on the scale, you were watching pounds fly off, you could reward yourself with a chicken fried steak dinner and mashed potatoes and gravy. But the thing about it is you don't have a meal like that all three meals a day. And you don't spot eat. The spot eating is what kills you. You're riding down the road, and you pull in, you get fuel, you run in, you grab yourself, you know, a bag of potato chips, you know, a cheeseburger, you know, a Coke, two candy bars, and then you eat the candy bars, you know, three or four hours later. Put yourself a bag of carrots in there. You know what I mean? So you want to munch on something while you're bored riding down the road? Munch on a carrot. You know, I found, one of the greatest things I found out was the most sourest dill pickles I could get. You know why? Because I ate one. Yeah. I didn't eat five. You know, I mean, just 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 little things like that. And and I didn't any. I did no reading. I just went. My wife is a dialysis nurse, and she has nutritionists. And her and I both went on this based on what you know a low carb, um, you know, low. Uh, low carb, high fiber, low gluten diet, and you can find the food out there to do it. You know, yeah, you may, you know, 16, 17 carbs may be tough, but who says that if you only do 25 carbs instead of picking up a candy bar that has 40 carbs, one candy bar. So what I'm saying is you can modify it, your body style and everything once you get into it. And you know that, Donna, because, I mean, yours, unfortunately, was a health issue, that had to change yours, mine was a conscious decision, and I, I think that's what 90% of the drivers need to make a, con- a conscious decision that, you know, when I climb out of the truck and I walk across the parking lot, I'm out of breath when I get to the door of the truck stop. Um, you know, uh, when, I, when, I, when I go into the shower, to take a shower, um, I, I fill the shower, you know. I mean, it's like, you know, just how you feel is so much better. And I think that was my biggest encouragement was the more I lost, the better I felt, the more energy I had. I actually knocked about six to seven strokes off my golf game because I actually had more mobility and movement because I didn't have a 11, 24, 5 radial around my middle. So, you yeah. know, I mean, 
and these are all, you know, personal goals you set for yourself. And I think, and I, and I think it's also when you start feeling better, it, it's encouragement to keep going, to do it, keep going, keep going. And then, you know, I took my six-month physical last week, and I walked in, and my doctor looked at me, and he says, you've just knocked 20 years off your life. Wow. And I thought that was pretty that cool good. because I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to outlive Diane. I already told her. <laughs> <laughs> that well, made her feel good, huh? <laughs> well, the thing is, well, you know, she's, lost 50, she's lost 50 pounds, so it, it's a competition. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, Another yeah, little skinny, skinny mini. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, with the, with, with the sleep happening and everything coming up, I mean, we've been talking about it for a while, but uh, to look at it on a more serious note, I mean, don't you think that once this thing really kicks in, uh, I mean, we're all going to have to do something if we want to keep that CDL because once this thing really kicks in, uh, that could very well be knocking a, a, a lot of drivers out of their livelihood. You're going to see a lot more drivers that are going to have CPAP machines in their vehicles. Two reasons. One, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the political side of this for a second. Um, the bad thing the certified medical examiner is, you're going to be forced to go to more occupational health centers because they're the ones that are going hog wild to get their certification more than your family physicians. Dedicated occupational health centers. Now, if you do, I did a survey and a study just in my, the northeast area that I'm involved with up here. Every occupational health center owns a sleep study center. Isn't that wow. amazing? So if yeah. you go to a certified medical examiner in an occupational health center, what do you think that the morning yeah, when they have gonna, gonna, <laughs> yeah, the morning powwow is going to be, I want everybody to get people over into our sleep center. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and... Well, maybe people, maybe that should be a, a red flag, and when people go look for a medical examiner, you know, maybe, not saying not so they don't catch them if they do have sleep apnea, but that they don't put them in a position to have to, to persuade them uh, to take a study that they probably don't need. And another thing I want to say about the sleep apnea you know, there's two kinds of sleep apnea. There's the physical one where you have the soft tissue um, behind the throat and it causes airway blockage and all that. But then you have the other sleep apnea, which is actually a deficiency in the brain, which has absolutely nothing to do with body mass, neck size, nothing. So in my opinion, by going by this body mass uh, screening you're really overlooking a lot of the people who have it with the um, the brain, uh, you know, whatever is going on in their brain to cause sleep apnea. So, I mean, they're, they're, they've got to come up with some better guidelines or, you know, well, and rules. It, and see, that's the, that's the problem. When you leave it as a guideline, then, then it mm-hmm. falls into the discretion of the individual making the examination whether or not you have to have it. And the thing is, you don't pass that physical, and the regulation states, if you don't like the physical you get from this doctor, you can't go to another doctor. Right, right, I remember that. Yeah, so, remember so, that. so, you know, you're kind of like whoever you go to, uh, I tell people, do research on what's the history of, you know, find out people that's gone to this particular occupational health center. Because I'm going to tell you a big issue uh, that's going to happen, and, and you got to take this in consideration. Health 
coverage is changing. We all know that. I'm not going to go into whose is better, why, or whatever. We all know what we're talking about. You know, um, you may have gold, you may have silver, you may have uh, high mark through Blue Cross and Blue Shield, but as things change, different coverages are going to be changed. And what I'm afraid of is that some of these things that are being covered currently are going to fall under. So if you come in and you're diagnosed with sleep apnea, does that automatically put you in a position of having a pre-existing condition and make you uneligible for certain types of, of um, uh, medical insurance to where you may have to go to an alternative medical insurance? And if that's the case, how many drivers are actually going to be out there if they don't have medical insurance that covers that type of testing or they're excluded from it that are not going to be able to get the, 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 the testing and are going to be disqualified for it. So here's another bucket. Let's throw some more drivers in it, and let's make our driver shortage even larger. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up because uh, I'm, I'm trying to kind of – I'm just now beginning to kind of do a research because I got to thinking, you know, this national health care – I mean, it's supposed to kick in January 1st next year, um, and I was curious, you know, we know, we hear from all these other people how it's affecting them, but I got to thinking, well, how is this going to affect the trucking industry, you know, itself? So, uh, I mean, that's that's a good point. That's one way you just brought up, and I bet you're right. I bet we do see things like that, but that that's just one point that it made me real, it made me think, you know, oh, yeah, i got to do that study because I was just curious um, how is it going to uh, affect drivers in the industry? You know, I, ha- I haven't really seen uh, any kind of report or article about that. Well, do you know Not one yet. thing? I, I, I'm going to make this one statement. This is, you know, you hear, me, you hear me preach a lot about the changing of skilled of drivers from unskilled to skilled labor. Do you realize by being an unskilled laborer, you're, you can be declared as a part-time driver? Because you can be part-time, and the regulation says you can work 70 hours a week. That doesn't generally make you a full-time driver. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're right. So guess what? You have, uh, and this is something that, that, that I've discussed with a few people. I've opened a few eyes. I've opened a few eyes with some of the representatives from my state. I've been in a dialogue with them. Uh, I've used this as one of my uh, uh, talking points as far as, you know, trying to get uh, drivers reclassified as skilled because if that's the case, then there's a potential for every truck driver out there to be classified as part-time. And because of that, they could all be, because of the the cost of what, you know, health care is today, now, don't get me wrong, I'm sure companies are going to use it as a bargaining chip, you know, oh, we have full coverage, we have full health care. You know, full health care may be great on you, but if your family's depending on it, you know, you may get yours for nothing, but you try to put a family member on it, and all of a sudden it's four or five or $600 a month. You know, that's mm-hmm. a big chunk out of a guy's, you know, and a gal's, you know, paycheck every month especially when you're on the road with road expenses and everything else, you know. So uh, here's another issue that we can use, you know, and another piece of ammunition for our arsenal. You know, we're we're labeled as unskilled, so we basically be placed as uh, part-time drivers at any given time. And which means, so the company says, okay, I'll pay the $95 a year or the $200 a year fine, even if a $2,000 a year fine 
is cheaper than what it costs them to provide health care for you. So, yeah, that's you right. know, and that's what that's company, what's going to happen. They're you, they're you, they're going they're just it. going to go ahead and accept the fine. Yeah, right. I mean, that's reality. Business is business. Yeah. And the thing exactly. about it, and is then the driver now, has to sign up for the for the national health care. Right, and 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 I mean, uh, you know, what, what do they say? It's thirteen million pages or whatever the hell it is. Uh, you know, try to find the word sleep apnea in there and testing. Is it covered? You know, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm speculating, whatever. But I've heard there's so many debacles with it that I'm sure that if you probably look into it, that's probably one of them. So here again, you know, here here's another issue that what's happening around us is directly affecting our industry. And as long as we're labeled as non-skilled, that there is a lot of issues out there that coincide with that. So I think that needs to be sort of a priority right now. And I think we have enough in behind us that that would be an area where we could really work on. And I think that would there would be a ripple effect that would come out of that that would go all the way down. I think it would increase wages. I think it would set up, set up different standards of pay. But as it stands right now, of course the, the industry is not going to want truck drivers as skilled labor because when you have unskilled labor for, working for you, you can put all the regulations in the world, but you control those people. And we are well, a very I mean. And you know, and drivers drivers wouldn't have to sign up for uh, the national health care plan if they could afford their own, or they could do as the companies. Uh, you know, if they if you don't sign up, you're going to be fined. Well, the fine may be cheaper than what the health care cost is, so it kind of works both ways. But this unskilled yeah. labor category is a is a global economic issue. I did a big study on that and did a big article on Ask a Trucker about that. And uh, I mean, boy, if you get you get the the 13 million or so people classified from unskilled to skilled, uh, boy, you've got a you got a big challenge ahead of you, Richard. Oh, I know, I know, and and, and I realize that. But you know me, Alan. I've never I've never took one bite out of a biscuit. I've had to eat the whole biscuit at one time. So, <laughs> yeah. But, but but you know the problem of it is. I, you know, there, and like I said, I think there's important issues that have validity that can be presented to the right people that uh, may reflect down the road and may be the cause, you know, or, or you know, the, the help with the cause of the other issues. But I think one of the things we have to do as an individual, as, as a group, is prioritize, uh, you know, what the issues are because we're going in so many directions right now with the issues that you can't get. You get 15 truck drivers in the same room, you're going to get 15 different issues that's important to them. And, you know, that's that's where I'd like to think that, you know, one of my goals is is to concentrate on the economic the economics of importance of issues. And, you know, if I can get everybody, they might not like each other. They may not like, you know, they may not agree in the same political process. You know, hell, they may not even agree what color the sky is. But the thing about it is, if it's the betterment of the people that are involved in the industry, I mean, the trucking industry is based on drivers. You can have all the Freightliners, Peterbilt, Kenworths, Volvos, or anything else out there. But if you don't have a, uh, a, a human being sitting behind the seat, all they are is a big parking lot. So, right. you know, when you you have to, you know, the heart and soul of a truck is sitting behind the steering wheel. It's not the computer. So, you know, this is the thing about it. And, 
you know, we have issues that we need to address. I mean, the owner-operators have issues they need to address with insurance issues. Um, I think, you know, uh, fair fair pay for, for a fair stay uh, type of thing. And, and, you know, the hours of service, yeah, you know, a lot of these things are already into effect. So, you know, the, the time to change them was five years ago. We should have had right. 50 drivers at the Mixac meeting five years ago. When I, when I, I mean, Alan and Donna, you know, I started talking about this five, six years ago. And I said, this was going to happen. And they're like, ah, no, they'll never do it. It'll never get through. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah, now the NPRM come out. Then all of a sudden everybody panics. Well, you know, when you're on fire, that's not the time to worry about whether or not you had a mounted fire extinguisher. The time right. to worry about I, it I, is I'd like to bring something up, uh, Richard, and it came in my head uh, just as you were speaking about the unskilled labor. And, and I want to throw this at you too, Alan. Let's go back to CSA and the FMCSA and how safety is priority. And then everybody made a big thing. Um, I mean, that's how, how we actually started was for CDL uh, training and standards. And I don't know if anybody remembers that, but that's really where our roots are. Um, so finally, right, there was hearings um, at the uh, – I believe it was in at the Mid America Truck Show uh, over at Matt's, and they it was you know really coming to light, and everybody was excited that they're actually talking about CDL training standards, and a lot of drivers were very happy about that too because they felt that there needed to be you know safer roads for them. Okay. Right. Now, let's combine unskilled labor with CDL training. And what just popped in my head was, because all of a sudden this died down, and I'm not hearing about it anymore, and we spoke about it last week. Do you think it's a possibility that if CDL training standards are upped and it really becomes more of a, quote, skilled profession, then that would be more ammunition you would have to go to the U.S. Department of State and Wage and Hour Division to have a good argument for skilled labor. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the thing about it is, <clears throat> you bring up you bring up a very 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 good point, by the way. And and I when I when I was looking at the list of topics tonight, I actually ran up the um, final rule that came out. Um, in uh, March 25th, 2013, under the uh, Commercial Driver License and Testing and Commercial Learner Permit Standards, and mm -hmm. read through it before, before tonight, and 90% um, of what came out in that was uh, explaining what the qualifications were for foreign drivers. Right. And I'm like... I, I mean, me. nothing to do with training standards. No. No, it didn't. It didn't. And it gave, it gave a guideline for the state compliance of commercial driver's license with the skills tests and everything else. Well, the thing about it is, one thing I noticed, uh, there's a lot of states that uh, individual truck driving schools, or should I say truck driving uh, uh, witch hunts, can, uh, you know, get permission or get a permit to issue CDLs upon graduation from their school and their, their training mills. Um, you know, until they get a, a set standard, but it's a lot harder to set a standard for an unskilled labor job 
than it would be to set the standard for skilled labor. Because if you're skilled labor, just like a plumber, boilermaker, electrician, you have to pass certain requirement stages. You just don't go for six weeks and become a licensed electrician, right. and which is considered skill. What I, you know, and and I don't know that this is a solution, but you know. Maybe but if that's they, what maybe I'm if, saying. I'm. I mean, yeah, do you think they saw the writing on the wall, how this was going to be a whole snowball effect? That okay, if we raise the standards, and it actually becomes more of a skilled type of um, uh, job. Well, then what are we going to do with the categorization of unskilled labor? Then now, that's that's. Uh, ammunition to fight for that. Look, you have to you have to go. I mean, if you go to askthetrucker.com and search for unskilled labor, you'll find a, you'll find that article that I wrote yeah. quite a while back. But I did ex- I did extensive research on this. I mean, you can go to the the website for um, the U.S. Department of Labor and read uh, their definition of skilled and unskilled. And the sole purpose of the unskilled classification is to keep wages down. That's the sole purpose, I mean, in my opinion. And I don't have the, I can't remember the figure right offhand, but it's high. It's like 95% of the world's population is classified as unskilled. And the sole purpose is to keep wages down. So Absolutely. that's why I'm saying Richard's going to have, uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm a realist. You know, I just, I can't see it happening because... It all has to do with global economics, and it's how the world turns. And and I mean, if if they if they turn around and classify drivers as skilled, their wages would easily double overnight. You know, and the sole purpose again of that is to keep wages down. I mean, and that's it. It all has to do with global economics, Donna. And and you know, I you you ought, you ought to read that on Ask the Trucker again because it was really, even if I say so myself, a good article. <laughs> It was a good article, and, and I, I totally agree with you 100%. And also one of the biggest problems is the 40 and the 45-hour the week. Um, it's been one of the biggest drawbacks of classifying, because once you classify a person as skilled labor, they fall in a different category as far as the amount of hours when you have to start paying overtime. But like you said, right. yes, it is. Yes, it is. But also, But also, the thing about it is, you know, I hear this thing about wages, and truckers want more, better wages. Truckers want better wages. Everybody in the world wants better wages. I want better wages. Donald wants better wages. Alan wants, I mean, everybody wants better wages. So that's not anything unique or new. That's just anybody that, that works for a living. But what I'm saying, and, and, and to follow up what you're saying, Alan, and you're right, is instead of using the word, I mean, how many times in the last month have you heard wages as an issue? But how oh, many yeah. times? How many times have you heard the language "skilled, unskilled" instead of the word "wages"? Because wages would be the ripple effect I'm talking about that come would come from skilled or unskilled. So reclassifying, oh, oh, yeah. if it came to the cream, came to the top, and became more of an important issue than you know uh, locking up Obama, you know then. The truckers, you know, other than just the word wages, because that's going to fall on deaf ears because every industry wants wages. So right. if the thing about it, if we, if, if, I mean, if you go and say, hey, here we are, we're the guys and the gals driving 80,000-pound 
trucks up and down the road on the highway next to you and your family and we're labeled as unskilled, that's going to make a bigger right. impact on the general public than the words, we want more money. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, maybe I mean, we need to change the mindset, change the language we're using, and I think it would be if we would go from skilled to, uh, unskilled to skilled, and, and I know it's, it's a dream, okay? You know, I, you're a realist. And, Alan, you know there's no more realist than I am, but this is kind of like, you know, my, 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 you know, this is my little fantasy thing. But the well, thing I, think it, I think you know, anything is worth fighting for when you believe in it. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, I'm a realist, but, uh, you know, I still believe in never say never. Because yeah. I've seen yeah. some things that I just thought I'd never see in my life, and it sure did happen. So <laughs> never say never. And boy, did we have those conversations. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, so. I mean, I, I really enjoyed I, I, my research on this unskilled, skilled thing. and um, Well, I know we had a show. At, at Richard, were you on the show when Fred Schaffner was on it, and he actually got into the whole thing about... He went deeper than I did. Yeah, he, yeah. he went yeah. way back into oh. uh, deregulation. and Were you on oh, that? We God. still have it in the archives. It's yes. worth a replay. Yes. Were you and on that only- show? Yes, and, and not only was I on that show, but one of the deepest conversations. And, and I, have to, I have to say that this is one thing. Um, Fred Schaffner was probably one of my biggest influences in pushing of the skilled unskilled. Yes. Um, because him and I had hours and hours of conversation. And I was the soothsayer. I, you know, I was the one that said, you'll never get it done. The industry will never allow it. Uh, manufacturing, uh, you know, because, you know, the biggest, the biggest, biggest problem we have in number one with the, with the uh, changing of the standards for CDL drivers and training for CDL drivers, believe it or not, and just recently, Bill Graves has come out and has finally admitted there is a driver shortage. Bill Graves and ATA was the ones that said there is no driver shortage. Uh, none of our members have a problem getting drivers. Oh, we're such good companies that everybody is coming in our direction. You know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, whitewash it, baby. But let me tell you something. Now even Bill Graves is coming out and said there's a driver shortage. So guess what's going to happen? You up the ante on driver qualification and training standards, the ones that are going to be impacted the most are going to be the major carriers in this country because they're the very ones that are using inferior uh, training practices, putting unqualified people as trainers. We need to have a step system in training to where a person goes through the process. You don't send a rookie driver to go over Donner Pass in January. Let them, you know, run them in an area where you can run them. Utilize your more experienced drivers to run in the areas where the weather is more. We need a step program. I'm not saying an apprentice program. That's not the word I want to use. But you go through a process where you, you know, almost it's like a checkoff. You do so many things. You do them correctly over a period of time. Then you move to the next standard. There needs to be standards established that every training program can incorporate it without any additional cost. All it does is it gives the people experience in the areas of which they need the experience in and concentrates it, and they don't move into the next segment until they get that system well, there, back. 
they're going to need that, Richard, just to retain drivers. Just, I mean, in the past they got away with this this 200% turnover rate for first-year drivers, okay? They're still getting and away actually, with it. And actually, huh? They're still getting away with it. Yeah, but if it, one, I think also Graves also admitted that one of the biggest problems is wages. I mean, that's the thing I remember that, that was finally came to the surface and admitted. And if if the truck driver shortage, retention, and uh, and and all that is is truly finally, uh, people are getting out of denial about it. They are going to have to come with some perks to the table and some remedies to really uh, change the focus on all of this. Because eventually, you are not going to be able to uh, get away with a 200% turnover rate among first-year drivers because less and less people are being attracted into the industry and the word is getting out to them that you're going to, you know, this isn't for you. You've got to pay $6,000 to get your training and, and then, you know, this is what you're making. And that's good that the truth comes out for that because now things do have to change. Perhaps the perks that they can get, you know, even if laws aren't changed, even if the FMCSA doesn't make standards, if the companies themselves put standards into their own programs, if they themselves, Whoa. and let's Whoa. go back to detention pay, supposing Whoa. they had something in their in their employee handbook that said you will be paid for detention. I mean, yeah, maybe you're still making 35 cents a mile or 40 cents or whatever it is, but now they're going to set themselves uh, above the the others by by actually paying for detention time. I did I, I mean, did I did I recently did a did a a driver recruiting and driver retention seminar with some some carriers in this area. Uh it was I did a voluntary I I you know I volunteered my time. Um we had a you know we had a meeting and one of the first things I told them is being a fleet manager, you know, where I came from before I went into in, in, into consulting, I was a fleet manager of a large fleet of trucks. And I had, you know, I had probably zero turnover rate. Either people people that worked for me retired or died. Um, and and I always, you know, kind of pat myself on the back for that and, you know, and I pride myself on that. But there was two simple goals, two simple goals to keeping drivers. One, you don't lie to them. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest things in the world because when a recruiter goes in there and tells a guy, oh, you'll be home every weekend, and seven and a half months later the guy's on the phone. He's 24 years old. He has a wife at home, a new baby. He got this job driving a truck because it was supposed to be the cure-all to all of his financial problems. He owes the school $5,000, and if he quits, he's going to have to pay that which he can't afford because that's why he went to work for the trucking company. So he's going to do whatever they tell him to do to tell him, and you've got some dispatcher and some person that's sitting there that doesn't look at them as a driver, looks at them as an individual, and as long as that person's doing what they tell them to do to make them look good and cover whatever loads they have to cover during the day, then they could give a rat's behind on what that driver's feelings or any personal, you know, um, problems are. And the first thing you got to do is quit lying to them, and the second thing you got to do is respect them for what they're doing, and you can't respect them for what they're doing unless you've done it. Well, that's a that's a good point. As a matter of fact, we had a we had a, a great meeting with uh, with with someone just two days ago, 
um, discussing all these problems, and actually they're all tied in together. I'm glad we got to sort of tie them all in together tonight uh, on the show. And um, I think as people, um, I know a lot of people, you know, can't listen to the live show, but we get most of our listens on our archives on the podcast. Uh, I think a lot of information has come from this, and uh, I mean it was a great show. I, I, I've I've enjoyed it tremendously. Yeah, that, that's one thing about having a show for truck drivers. You remember last week, Donna? Man, we were packed. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a lot of listeners online. Everybody's just content listening. We have fifty lines, and about thirty five thirty five or forty of them are full. So, but hey, you know that you can talk, you can listen. That's what it's all about. But. Um, Richard, you were just the star of the show this evening. I'll have to put your name and link up in the show description. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean to take it over, but it's kind of like something we've been discussing. And I think, you know, there were there, a, a lot of things grouped together that came from, you know, and I and I and I would like to say this: there's a silver lining. You know, if you want to, you know, if you want to look at the glass half full or the glass half empty, the glass half full of what happened last week is. The fact is that maybe now that you know they've they've gone out and they've done this thing and they brought awareness, even though it may have been a negative thing in some points, it may have had issues that weren't really directly tied to it. But what I think it may have done, it may have actually opened a door to you know people that say, "Listen, this isn't the avenue we want to go down. We don't want to march on Washington." We have legitimate gripes and legitimate concerns that we want to present to them. We want to present it to this. It could get us exposure that wasn't available to us before um, is one good thing. It may also prove that what we've been saying, Alan, you and I have talked about this. Don, we've talked about this. I was involved in the strike in 79. All that did was get my valve stems cut on my truck, um, and I shut down for two weeks. And all I had was everybody trying to steal my freight because I was out. Of, I was shut down. So nothing's right. changed in '79 to 2013. But what happened is, I think maybe the it could open up a dialogue and communication with people that there is other aspects, that there is other directions we can go. Um, you know, giving me information to present in Washington to the very people that need it. And I think this show need this is a good follow-up show to follow exactly after what happened last weekend and say, okay, you tried it. We told you that what was going to happen, it happened. Now, let's try plan B. Let's try presenting it to the people that actually write the regulations. Let's take a lot less time and a lot less fuel. you got to pay to burn out of your pocket to get 30 seconds of fame on Fox News in the morning, and your story is placed right next to, you know, uh, some school that disallowed uh, invitations. You, if you give a birthday invitation, you got to give it to the whole class. Let's concentrate on what the actual issues are of the industry. Let's take those issues to the people that can actually do something about them or at least listen to them. And, you know, we don't have to march on anything. It's great if we can get a lot of people to come there. I would, as a courtesy to the people in Washington, so they could, if we got a number of people that are going to try to make it, then maybe we might be able to do something to the Jessup truck stop. Um, and and uh, one, of, uh, one of my clients has vans, and I've talked to them, and if they have vans in the area, they might even be willing to donate a van to carry people down there to the meeting. Uh, but this isn't an event. I don't want it, and like I said before, I don't want it made as an event. 
Uh, I don't want anybody committing to it because they think the cause is great. The cause is this. The cause is get the information to me, and if you can't make it, so I can present it to the people that need to hear it. Uh, if you can make it, contact me. I will try to give you some ins and outs of what's going on, how to present yourself. Present yourself in a professional manner. Um, you know, burning crosses, you know, uh, breaking windows, break hands, uh, all the violent, the nonviolent, whatever, all the other crap. We've just proved it doesn't work. What we need to do is, is go in as a professional industry. We will get more respect. We will get more uh, credibility if we present our concerns to the people that need to hear them. And I want to thank you, Alan, for giving us this opportunity and Donna to come on tonight and, and try to, to better improve communication between our industry and the regulators of the industry and look at some other options we have to do some other things and some agendas that need to be directed upon. Well, and uh, Donna, we're just right there with you. We agree that's that's the best way to do it. This is um, uh, Richard Wilson of TCRGConsulting.com. Watch, uh, give out your uh, email again, Rich, for those who may want to contact you. Uh, my email address is regguy, R-E-G-G-U-Y, at Comcast.net. Uh, my website is TCRGConsulting, one word, uh, www.tcrgconsulting.com. There's a link on there to contact me. Um, I'm going to give out my uh, uh, 800 number of my business. Now, what I'd like to do, I'm on the road. I do travel. I'm in and out of my office. But my 800 number is 1-855-534-7280. Please, if you call, leave a message. I probably have 30 phone numbers on my phone that there's no message. I don't know who they are. I don't know if they're um, some solicitor or whatever. But please, leave a brief message to explain to me who you are. If you do send me an email, uh, make it concise. Uh, present your situation. Make sure you give me your name, your address, and a contact number. Um, and don't be surprised whether email or phone number. Either I will probably be contacting you, or don't be surprised if somebody from the FMCSA contacts you. Uh, they may want more information from you. And uh, but again, it's regguy r e g g u y at comcast.net or www.tcrg consulting.com um and and okay. give me some information i'm going i'm going december 9th let me speak for you that, yeah. that, that sounds good well listen richard thanks uh thanks again i'll put you up there on the uh, show description so everybody knows you're in here and we're talking and everything so appreciate you coming on and uh, listeners uh listening that works for us but rich thanks we'll be in touch all right, and uh, Donna, Alan, stay healthy, and uh, good night, and I'll see you all later. Okay, well, we're going to make a couple announcements. I've got some couple of happy things to talk about after, <laughs> after okay. all that. All right, well, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear the announcements, and we'll wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Stay with us. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Heads up, truckers! 
Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truckerlawyers, TruckerLawyers.com. Be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. All right, thanks for hanging with us. Donna, we're winding it down here. What do you got? Well, I got something exciting. Um, everybody knows Tony Justice, um, uh, just a great person, uh, an awesome entertainer, singer, c- composer, um, whatever you can say good about Tony, um, well, you can just say it. And right now, uh, Petro has, what they have is a Tony Justice Burger. I think they call it the Justice Burger. Yeah. And if you order that at a Petro, you get a CD of Apple Pie Moonshine. Now, I'm not sure if that's a sample CD um, or the, the whole CD, but even if it's a sample CD, that's, that's a pretty nice... Oh, uh, we've got to go up to yeah. the Petro. Well, I know. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> I'll have the burger. You'll have the salad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to announce that because that's pretty exciting. And I actually... Um, can't wait to to listen to his new CD. Uh, I got to hear him and and be with him and um, um, his wife Misty during that, and it was so nice. Um, they're just two of the nicest people, and his talent is pretty much second to none. So um, I know he has a website, and I can't think of it offhand right now. TonyJusticeMusic.com. Okay, TonyJusticeMusic.com. Go check it out, and uh, and that. That's something you know you really want to do is try that Justice Burger. He's got if you go to his Facebook page, he's actually got people on there who have tried it, and you know they say it's really great. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up tonight is this is the weekend for the OIDA 40th anniversary, um, and it starts uh, well it starts tomorrow and Saturday at the Kansas Speedway in Kansas City, and. Uh, we have well, we have quite a few people that we know that are going to be there uh, for this celebration. Forty years fighting for the rights of drivers, 
And just to let you know, Kansas Speedway is located at the intersection of I-435 and I-70 in Kansas City. So it's about 15 miles west of downtown Kansas City and less than an hour west of Olida's Green Valley, Missouri headquarters. That'll be October 18th and 19th, Friday and Saturday. And it's open to everyone, uh, non-members, the public, Olida members, Everybody can um, can go there. Now, you definitely want to go visit Truckers Against Trafficking, Trucker Charity, and the Miss, Missing Truck Driver Alert Network. They're all going to be in the same area. I know Missing Truck Driver is going to be in booth number 320, and they're having raffles for some pretty awesome uh, COBRA prizes. Uh, you don't want to miss that. We're talking, you know, GPSs, CBs, some pretty nice stuff. So go over, support the Missing Truck Driver uh, Alert Network while you're there. Um, they're giving a significant discount on their sponsorships for their uh, webpage. So if you are a company and you want to get in on that and you want to be a sponsor for Missing Truck Driver, just go over and um, talk to Kari or Lee Fisher over there. And while you're there, you go and look at Truckers Against Traffic and Trucker Charity because they're all together, three great organizations all together. So uh, I I really wish we could have uh, made it this year. We had other commitments, as everyone knows, uh, the last two weeks uh, that we had to take time off for. But um, it's going to be a great event, and I hope everybody can show up for that. And other than that, I think I think that's all I have for tonight. Um, looking through my notes, yep, that's it, Alan. All right, well, that will do it. And speaking of Tony Justice, TonyJusticeMusic.com has great albums there you can get right from the website. So we'll leave you with one of his songs from his CD. Uh, which one? Let me see. Peterbilt 379, that's a good one. So thanks for joining us, listeners online, those in the chat room. Appreciate you tuning in. On behalf of uh, Donna Smith, truthabouttrucking.com, askthetrucker.com, Blog Talk Radio, Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith, Drive Safe, and thanks for listening. Books, I've got records to keep. I got a one on my dashboard under the seat. I got the chrome polished up and she's a looking good. Six hundred cat burn underneath the hood. I've been at home too long, it's starting to show. When I get that itch, Lord, I'm ready to roll. When you see me come and get out of my way, I got a hot load of bread. I'm gonna make my destination come a rain or shine In my suit up, sign up, get you there by son of a meter bill 379 Got the wind in my hair and the hammer down I'm 1200 miles from the guitar town I'm
Gonna make my destination come a rain or shine In my suit, up signed up, get you there by son of a Peter Bill Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Jumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.